Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning. Welcome to Spotlight on Maryland. It's Gina Crash. Very excited to introduce you to my next two guests for the next half hour or so. We have co-CEOs and presidents of Ashley Addiction Treatment. First up, Dr. Greg Hobelman. Hi, Greg. How you doing? I am great, thank you. Glad uh, to be here. Awesome. Thank you for joining me, as well as Alex Densman, your co-CEO and president, again, of uh, Ashley Addiction Treatment. It's so great to have you on. It's such an important topic, especially uh, during the pandemic when uh, when mental health has really been in the forefront. Um, so starting off with Greg, uh, let's start with, you know, where you do your work and uh, what do you do exactly? So we uh, actually were located in Haverty Grace, Maryland, which is about 20 miles north of, north of Baltimore. And we have two outpatient facilities as well, one in Hartford County in Bel Air and the other in Cecil County um, in Elkton. That's where we're located. Gotcha. And, um, and obviously, um, you know, you're all about recovery. And, um, Greg, you have an interesting story about how you got involved. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, first and foremost, I'm in recovery as well. But I started my career out uh, doing anesthesiology and pain medicine. Um, it was there that I, I first um, had firsthand experience with the beginnings of the uh, opioid crisis, the opioid epidemic that we have now. But I developed my own addiction um, to alcohol and opiates, and I went to uh, a couple of treatment programs, which were obviously transformational for me. Uh, one was in Pennsylvania, one was down in, in Georgia. And in between those treatments, I had actually come up to work at Ashley as a staff physician. And uh, although I didn't stay sober at the time, I fell in love with the place and with uh, the treatment of substance use disorders um, as a whole. So after my second treatment, I kind of had to uh, reevaluate what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I went back and got a, a master's of public health and then retrained in psychiatry, um, which was great. And that put me really in a well position to be an addiction psychiatrist and, and practice addiction medicine. So I came back to Ashley in 2016 as a staff psychiatrist and then slowly have taken on more responsibilities, um, ultimately to you know, becoming with Alex, the uh, co-CEO uh, and president here at Ashley in March of this year. Wow, congratulations. That's, that's quite a story that you have. And I would imagine that people can, that are also going through addiction and recovery themselves can really relate to your journey and your honesty and, you know, that you've had to go through things several times. I mean, do you find that's the case yeah. that people really, uh, that, that's a huge um, breakthrough? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, in most of medicine, um, you know, having a history of a substance use disorder tends to be a liability of sorts. But um, when you're treating um, people with substance use disorders, it's, a, it's very much an asset. And uh, having the ability to build a rapport with patients and share my story and, uh, and really begin that recovery process with them, you know, has been really um, 
fantastic for me. Mm-hmm. And I think it, uh, it, it does provide, you know, a, a sort of a missing link in some ways or a, a beneficial link, I should say, um, you know, to really get things going in the right direction. And people do absolutely identify with my story, um, you know, because recovery is about, you know, being resilient and sort of picking yourself back up. And um, the more people that we have that are sober and are doing well uh, are in, are in recovery and have good stories, I mean, we, we need to hear more of them. Mm-hmm, there are yep. lots of people out there doing well. Absolutely. That's a good point. And, um, and how are you doing right now, personally? I'm doing great. Thank you. Oh, awesome. Um, couldn't be happier. You know? Great, great. Uh, it's, a, it's a great position, and, um, and I'm doing what I want to do. So, yeah, it seems you know, perfect for you. A lot of, yeah. A lot of gratitude. And yeah. um, definitely. And Alex, uh, do you mind telling me about how you got involved in Ashley and your personal journey getting there as well? Sure. First, you know, it's great to be with you. And anytime we have an opportunity to talk about the importance of treatment and the uh, gifts of recovery, it's, it's great. So, uh, you know, similar to Greg, I've worked at Ashley for about 12 years and in a variety of roles. I don't think uh, either of us ever envisioned uh, doing exactly what we're doing now, but we couldn't be happier. Um, and so my connection with Ashley began uh, in 2001. So I was a patient here for the first time at the age of 18. And despite not getting sober at that time and, you know, having um, a a slip shortly thereafter, I understood the value in treatment and uh, I just had such a positive experience here that I came back in 2003, uh, I was 20 at that time, and I've been in continuous recovery since then. So uh, that was how my connection started. So, you know, obviously Ashley holds a special place in my heart. You know, I, I feel a tremendous... Uh, amount of gratitude and indebtedness to this place because it got me started on my road to recovery and it was immensely helpful to me and my family. And uh, I, I worked in a variety of roles. Uh, initially, I, I wanted to do something uh, in direct care and you know work as a clinician. But uh, about 10 years ago, I started doing more outward-facing stuff and you know sort of representing Ashley on the community and, and helping bridge that gap from active use to treatment and found uh, that was probably my calling. I got a great deal of enjoyment out of it, and it was so gratifying to help families and people in crisis you know, get life-saving care and start their you know, roads to recovery. So I, I've done roles like that you know, for quite some time and um, you know, just can't speak uh, you know, enough about how uh, important treatment is and how much it changed my life and Greg's life. And uh, you know, we have so much to show for it. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. As one of two CEOs, you can start right there. Um, and how did you and Greg get together? Because that really is unique to have the, the co-CEO and president going on. And it's actually, it sounds perfect to me because the two of you together, I think, could get even more done. Yeah, absolutely. So in, in our minds, you know, it's, it's definitely true. You know, two, two heads are better than one. Uh, you know, Greg is a phenomenal addiction medicine doctor, and he's got such a great mind for direct care. And, uh, you know, I've I, and more the operator. So, uh, you know, I, I think if I specialize in anything, it's, you know, just doing the outreach and, you know, helping build awareness and, uh, you know, make Ashley as accessible and as affordable as possible to, you know, people who need it. So we make a really good team. So we have, um, you know, pretty distinct swim lanes here, but there, there's a great deal of overlap and, you know, our offices are right next to each other. We've worked together for quite some time. So, you know, co-leadership for us, while it's, it's unique and it's not necessarily seen, it has been done before. You know, the, the model's been around for quite some time. Our board of directors, you know, Ashley's a private not-for-profit. Our board of directors committed to this plan a year in advance of us actually taking 
these roles. So there was a great deal of time and preparation that went into the succession planning. Um, we were able to look at successful examples of co-leadership and, you know, decide what we want to replicate and, you know, how to make it uh, successful here at Ashley. And uh, it works really well. So we, we, we have the benefit of having sort of two perspectives, you know, the, the, the standard of care and the quality of care and the overall patient and family experience. Uh, you know, it's, it's the most important thing in both our minds, but the fact that we have such a close personal relationship and friendship and we're so like-minded, it helps. And, uh, you know, to, to this point, uh, just, you know, less than a year, it's, it's gone really well. And I, th- I think it's been a huge help to the staff to have us both uh, in our respective roles. That's great. That's great. And a lot of planning went into it, like you were saying, with your board, you know, having taken that year to get to get ready for it before you, you made your debut um, in that new role. And, um, Greg, your center, as you mentioned earlier, is located in Havre de Grace. Do you specifically serve those people in Harford County, or is that who we're, we're talking to today to try to reach, or is, is there anyone else that you serve beyond that area? No, I mean, we certainly have a, a special place in our hearts, so to speak, for Hartford County. We're located here. We're involved in the community, and we certainly want to support um, the, the county as much as we can. Um, our residential facility is, um, is largely regional, so um, we end up seeing a lot of patients from this area, but also the Baltimore, D.C., Virginia area, up and into, into Pennsylvania uh, and New Jersey and somewhat New York as well. But we do have two outpatient facilities. Um, one is located in and Hartford County and um, Bel Air, as noted, and that really does serve that population. And then the other up in Cecil County and Elkton uh, serves that population um, particularly. Gotcha. And Alex, I'm putting this together now because if people Google, they'll notice that this used to be Father Martin's Ashley, right? So tell us uh, a little bit about that, how it became Ashley Addiction Treatment, because people might remember Father Martin's sure, Ashley. Sure, right? Yeah, no, I, I would expect a lot of your listeners do recall it as that, because uh, we were founded in 1983, so our, our, our original name is um, a tribute to our two co-founders. So uh, Father Joseph C. Martin, he was uh, one of our co-founders, along with May Ashley Abraham. So uh, they founded the facility in 1983, and it, it was just an interesting story in terms of you know how Ashley was founded. Father Martin was a Catholic priest in recovery himself, and throughout the 70s, uh, he traveled around the world and gave these educational talks on alcoholism. And he was quite prominent then and was, was really a pioneer in our field. And his celebrity as, as an educator and, uh, you know, as an expert, you know, around the treatment of alcoholism is, is really, I, I think, the springboard that led to Ashley being founded. Uh, you know, the, he connected with May Abraham in a very, you know, unlikely encounter, but they formed this lifelong friendship, you know, that they were, you know, colleagues and, and close friends and, uh, you know, worked incredibly closely. So it, Ashley being founded really required uh, both of them, you know, so, so despite him you know, having a bit more prominence, you know, May was a, a pioneer in her own right. You know, she was one of the uh, leading women uh, in, in, in treatment and um, they uh, had this really remarkable relationship and uh, sort of shared effort in founding Ashley and making it the place it is today. So, you know, Greg and I certainly stand on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the history and legacy and tradition of Ashley is, you know, very much in the forefront of our minds and, you know, guides our work every day. Mm-hmm. And Greg, how do people find you? Because that's important. If there's anyone listening this morning, we hope that there is that need your, your help. How, how do they find you? Absolutely. Well, certainly can go to our website, which is ashleytreatment.org, A-S-H-L-E-Y, treatment.org. And um, through the website, they can can look and, and 
and see if it's something that would work for them and look through our programs and so forth. And we also they can also call our, our intake line, which is 800-799-4673, which is um, 1-800-799-HOPE. And, um, and you know, we, we accept uh, uh, all patients uh, over the age of 18, or 18 and over, um, and uh, some patients are uh, right for this facility. Some patients are right for outpatient facilities. Um, whether or not somebody comes here, we will work hard to make sure that we link people up with the right service for them. So we refer patients out often as well to find the right place uh, that will serve them the best. Um, Gotcha. We end up, we, yeah, so. Okay, so you have to be, you know, 18 or older, of course, to be eligible. And then who is accepted is sort of on a case-by-case basis once people contact you at ashleytreatment.org yeah. and you get the ball rolling like that. And um, Alex, once accepted, tell us a little bit about what, what that process is like. Sure. So when a person calls you for the first time, there's a 15-minute or so pre-screening. And this just helps our staff get a better understanding of like, what's happening in a person's life and uh, like, like Greg described, just determining if they're suitable for us. Um, <clears throat> once that is, the determination is reached and they're a good fit, you know, we'll schedule a time for them to come and you know, admit to our facility. This is at, at the inpatient. Uh, I'm using it as an example. Uh, they come in and they're seen by our intake staff and they sign you know, releases of information for their loved ones and you know, existing providers and employers or you know, whomever is involved, whomever is, is part of their uh, support system. They're seen by our medical team, so we have 30-plus nurses on staff and multiple full-time on-site medical providers. So they're seen, do a full history and physical. Uh, you know, the, one of the questions we're often asked is, you know, can, if I'm in active withdrawal or if I fear I'm, I'll be in active withdrawal, is actually a facility that can safely detox me? And absolutely, you know, we have ample, uh, you know, medical staff on site. And uh, so you go through that process, and it's traditionally a – a uh, 28 or 35 day program, residential program at our inpatient location. The outpatient facilities are designed to be longer term, um, and they both have, uh, you know, sort of benefits and drawbacks. You could say um, part of what we try to do in that initial assessment is make a determination as to what type of treatment, what level of care uh, best suits the person. So sometimes it's dependent on the severity of their alcoholism. Sometimes it's dependent on um, their financial financial picture or their insurance status, you know, other times it's just depend on their lifestyle and sort of, you know, what they're in a position to do. So we're always going to make the recommendation we think best suits them. Um, but if they come to our residential program based on their age, based on their treatment history, based on their specific needs, uh, we'll assign them to a program. And then each program, uh, has a very specific curriculum with dedicated staff and so forth. And the sort of treatment experience just begins there. And, um, you know, offers a great deal. And Greg, what are the lives of the families like? Because that's important too to think about the families of those who are going through recovery. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I mean, it varies tremendously, but um, we know very clearly that um, substance use disorder is a family disorder. So it affects um, loved ones tremendously. And uh, it really depends on the severity of the, d- the disorder, how long it's been you know, going on, um, if people have had multiple attempts at treatment. Um, the, the longer that the sort of behaviors associated with substance use disorder um, continue, the more discord and difficulty uh, in the family uh, network there is. 
So we place a huge amount of importance on um, making sure the families are involved in treatment. Um, we'd like to get that going soon, and we'd like to continue it throughout their course. And, of course, get the, the families involved in the, involved in the recovery and, in a sense, have recoveries of their own uh, as they go through this. So this ends up being you know, a long-term um, treatment, um, and I, instead of being you know, a, a just work all the time, really, it becomes a labor of love over, the, over time. But families can become much closer um, through the recovery process, but very difficult um, in active addiction. Mm-hmm. And uh, a few months ago, September was National Recovery Month. Um, so tell me what September was like for each of you, starting with Alex and then Greg. You can answer that same question. I know we're um, you know in November now, but still, it's an important uh, important thing to to make no, note no, of. No, no, yeah, it's, it's, it's an important thing to acknowledge. So I think what we've enjoyed seeing in our careers, and you know, certainly our, our time at Ashley, is just how the stigma shame uh, piece has lessened somewhat, and you know, recovery is something that people live, uh, you know, sort of more out loud and experience more fully and more openly and publicly, which is great because I think it signals to people in active use and the families who are impacted by addiction, this is not something you have to be ashamed about, and that recovery is certainly possible. And uh, you know, it, it just anytime you see that stigma shame piece lessened and the likelihood that people can seek care and, uh, you know, not feel ashamed about having, a, you know, a, a disease, a medical condition, which they can absolutely recover from, you know, it's really heartening for us because I think it makes our jobs easier because that's, that's what, in fact, what we're trying to promote and the lifestyle we're trying to uplift. Mm-hmm. How about you, Greg? Yeah, well, I think it's just nice that we have a, a, a National Recovery Month, um, you know, over the past few years, we have seen an increased awareness, which just is, is you know, delights me you know, more than you can imagine, because the more awareness we have, the decrease in stigma and shame that will you know, follow that, and uh, increased access to care, which is something we're very passionate about. So um, through September, we just there's more visibility, which is great, but we're seeing each year there tends to be more and more visibility overall. So um, it's nice to have a little bit of increased spotlight during that month. But um, what I'm really happy to see is just a, an overall increased awareness. Mm-hmm. And Alex, almost 21 million Americans have at least one addiction, yet only 10 percent of them receive treatment. Why do you think that is? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think there are a variety of reasons. I, I think the one that probably resonates most with us is just the issue of affordability and accessibility. So Ashley made years ago a conscious decision to uh, work more closely with insurance companies and, you know, make the care here more accessible. So, uh, you know, we're often asked, uh, what role does insurance play? And for us, you know, our, as a private not-for-profit, our stakeholders are our patients and our families. So our bottom line is recovery. Uh, you know, we're not here to make a profit, you know, so it's in our best interest to make our care as accessible as possible. So we are in network with most commercial insurers. So if you're listening to this and you have a care first or net or, you know, any type of just traditional commercial policy, you can call us and, uh, you know, we're in a position where we can offer those services, uh, you know, in a in-network way. And, you know, that removes a lot of financial barriers. So I, I think finances play a part for some. Obviously, there, there's still some misunderstanding around the d- disease of addiction. And, you know, some people are less inclined because of shame or guilt or, you know, whatever. But um, I, I think those numbers will continue to improve. However, it's, the, the goalpost sort of keeps moving. So as use becomes more prevalent, you know, the, the need for providers like Ashley to step up and, um, offer more services and remain as accessible as possible is, is critically important. Absolutely. And Greg, during the pandemic, there have been various stats about increased alcohol consumption, at least from you know a sales standpoint anyway. Can you speak to that? Yeah, sure. Well, um, 
in general, uh, substance use disorder, the environment plays uh, a huge role. And so when the environment is worsened, you have uh, increased isolation, increased anxiety, lower moods, and uh, by nature, people seek comfort during those times. And, um, and the majority of people in the country use a substance to change their mood at some point in their life, and many, many people tend to do it um, quite regularly. Now, when you're, the environment worsens uh, and you do become isolated and the mood worsens, the anxiety increases, people tend to seek that um, change in mood more regularly, and then a substance can become a coping mechanism for them. And if the substance becomes the primary coping mechanism, um, then there's going to be an increase in substance use disorders. So it makes a lot of sense that this would occur during a pandemic or a term. We know very clearly that in times of, of increased stress, people do turn to substances. So that's, I think, exactly what happened uh, during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And um, Greg, what other observations did you make um, during the pandemic about you know addiction and increased use, and also um, the the increase in DUI calls that are going out now during you know all hours of the day? Do you see something similar um, in the skyrocketing danger signs of that these days? Sure, I think as you increase substance use in general, and then uh, the no matter at what level you increase the use, you're going to increase the, the problems associated with it. So it's, it's really just a matter of numbers. Um, more people are using, more people are using in a risky way, and you're going to have the consequences and sort of the bad behavior that is associated with that. So, um, so we've certainly seen it here. We've seen an increase in call volume uh, or certainly a maintenance in call volume. I mean, people are seeking help, which is, which is a good thing, um, but it's unfortunate as well because, you know, there, there are so many in need. And as you pointed out earlier, um, you know, only a small portion actually uh, are seeking are able to access it. Exactly. Um, and it, your, is your facility, Alex, um, people might want to know how you're you know, reacting to the pandemic. What are you doing, um, especially nowadays, to, you know, adhere to those protocols and make sure everybody gets the help they need even during a global pandemic? Sure. Yeah. It's sort of remarkable to say, I mean, we've been in this response for the past 18 months. Uh, I don't think we anticipated that. But yeah, we've taken every conceivable precaution throughout. Um, You know, we've always uh, placed the health and safety of our patients and also our staff um, with the highest, uh, you know, importance. So we're really proud to say we've remained fully operational throughout COVID. Um, We kept our entire staff intact because, uh, you know, we, we weren't willing to sacrifice anything in terms of you know, standard of care or safety. And uh, yeah, we've remained fully operational. So people are concerned, you know, a lot of our patients are vaccinated. You know, we, we do have a vaccine mandate in place for our staff. So um, we've uh, done everything we can. You know, we work closely with, you know, county and state agencies to, you know, f- adhere to whatever best practices exist. And, uh, you know, if, if that's a concern, you know, certainly call us and we'll, you know, t- talk you through in greater detail as to what our response consists of. But uh, we've been very fortunate throughout and, you know, very happy that we could you know, remain operational and in a position to help. That's great. And ashleytreatment.org, your website, Greg, talks about life beyond addiction. Uh, what does that mean? And you, you are both, um, you know, leading living examples of that, life beyond addiction. Is that, um, in a nutshell, is that something we, we can hope to, to strive for? Absolutely. I mean, for one, you know, someone in the, the midst of an active addiction, uh, the life is turned upside down. So um, things get, you know, quite bad during an active addiction. But the really fantastic thing about... Um, about recovery is that the recovery is a process of just learning how to take care of yourself, to to deal with life on life's terms, to um, to get better um, than you ever were. So when we talk about life beyond addiction, it's not just saying, hey, your life's going to get better with regard to how it was during the addiction, but we're 
we want to get you set up for a life that is better than you've ever had. And we see that over and over in people with good recovery. That's awesome. And how has your battle, both of you, with substance abuse uh, disorder impacted you or changed you as a father? Because you're, you're both fathers, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, you know, first, you know, e- even just at this point, I, you know, it might have felt like a battle at first, you know, but just, just for good treatment and, uh, you know, supportive community and a strong support system, it doesn't feel like a battle, you know. So if you're in some stage of early recovery, or, you know, an active use and you're just kind of considering treatment, it's not a daily struggle. You know, I think the greatest thing about recovery it is, uh, you know, I'm comfortably sober. You know, I, I don't think about, I don't view it as a struggle. You know, my life is full. You know, I, I was able to go back to school and, you know, complete my education. I got married and I had kids. And, you know, my life is completely unrecognizable compared to, like, what I brought, you know, this whole treatment experience at Ashley. So, um you know, it's, it's changed every facet of my life. You know, I, I can be a friend, I can be uh, an employee, I can, I can, you know, support people at work, I can be a father and husband and, you know, all those things. So, uh, you know, recovery is absolutely life-changing and uh, it's, it's certainly not a struggle at this point. Life is as full as it's ever been and, um, you know, uh, can't, can't say enough good things. Excellent. And um, so many people struggle with substance abuse disorder. What, what is one thing you wish people knew or could better understand about it? So from, I mean, from my perspective, uh, I would I and that was for Alex. Really I'm hope sorry. that yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, I I would hope that people understand that this is you know an incredibly prevalent disorder, and uh, most people are affected by it in some way or other, um, whether it's themselves, a close family member, a close friend, whoever it might be. But it is um, it is much more prevalent than we tend to speak about. And luckily, we're starting to speak about it more. Um, there's no shame in having the disorder in the sense that you know, 10% of people who try substances end up with a substance use disorder. And if you end up having a substance use disorder, there's, it's, it's, there's a wonderful recovery process. And, um, and when you can sort of rid yourself of any shame associated with with it, you know, the possibilities of a phenomenal life are, are out there for you. So it's really a recognition of understanding, hey, something's wrong, and then just going and changing it for the better. And, uh, you know, when the overarching public sees it that way and the stigma is ripped away, I think we're going to be able to treat a lot more people, a lot more people earlier, and we won't have nearly the morbidity mortality that we see today. And Greg, uh, as in our final minute here, what do you recommend as a first step for those who need the help? So first step is ask for help. Mm-hmm. Period. You have to acknowledge it. You have to have an awareness. And if somebody does bring up a concern, be open-minded, listen, and consider that you know a change might be really not only needed but is absolutely possible. So open the mind a little bit. Seek some of those treatments that you may have not thought were something that you would consider in the past. Um, but understand that you know if you seek these things with an open mind, um, things can change for the better. Thank you, Dr. Greg uh, Hobelman. He is the co-CEO and president of Ashley Dixon Treatment. We've also been talking to um, Alex Densman as well, co-CEO and president. Anything in our final seconds here that um, you want people to know before we let you go? And, of course, ashleytreatment.org is where people can get more information about what we've spoken about this morning.
No, just want to wish all your listeners well, and you know, thank you for having us on and you know, putting a spotlight on recovery. We appreciate it so much. Absolutely. But thank you both for joining us, and um, for sure, ashleytreatment.org. We'll be sure to post this online and on social media as well so people can take a listen if they've caught it sort of in progress. And thank you all for listening, too. This has been a production of Odyssey Baltimore. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.